You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good morning, everybody. It's been a, um, a, a bit of an emotional start of our morning, but uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of emotions going on. Uh, these days, aren't there? So if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake, and I'm the lead pastor here. I'm really thankful that you're joining us. I know we have new people uh, joining us each week, and we love that you're here. We look forward to the day, anticipate the day when we can meet you face-to-face, but glad that you're joining us this morning. As we're going to continue and really bring to an end a uh, teaching series that we started a couple weeks ago that we've been calling uh, Timeless Wisdom for the New Normal. And uh, so far in this series, we've talked on uh, waiting wisely and living wisely. And today we're going to get into the topic of rejoicing wisely. And we're going to talk about that because um, I think one of the things, one of the major lessons that we can take away from COVID-19 up to this point is just a reminder that um, uh, circumstantial joy is extremely volatile, (laughs) right? I mean, Every, our circumstances are just so subject to change. In fact, I think many of us are still trying to wrap our minds around just all the changes that have taken place over the last eight or nine weeks. And I mean, just to, to, to draw attention again to uh, our graduating uh, college students, when we think about uh, how sad it is that your last semester ended the way that it did and how uh, y'all are not going to receive the graduation ceremony or parties uh, that you deserve. And I, I think about those in our church family uh, who with kids and how the, the, our kids didn't get to finish their school the way that they would want to with their friends and their teachers. And I think about the parents that are juggling the change of trying to figure out you know, distance learning along with working from home and how hard that's been for many of us. And then I think about those that are looking for a job or have lost a job or have been furloughed during this time. I think about those that have gotten sick or have loved ones or friends that have gotten sick and perhaps even uh, passed away over the last eight or nine weeks. And I just think, man, back, go back to January, go back to February. Most of us did not see these big things, these big areas changing the way that they have over the last two months. And not only is these big areas have changed, jobs and health and school, but also just the simple joys in life, like going out to dinner with our friends, right? And, um, you know, uh, gathering as a church family on Sunday morning together or uh, not having to wear a mask when you go outside. Uh, You know, these things have also all changed. And I just, you know, not that you need my permission, but I do want to hear you say that. I do want you to hear me say this. If you're having a hard time with that, um, that's okay. This is hard and it's good for you. It's right for you. It's healthy for you to grieve and uh, to mourn these hard uh, changes. In fact, um, you know, all of us are grieving. All of us are sad. All of us are disappointed or frustrated to varying degrees during this time. Perhaps the extroverts a little bit more than the introverts, but still all, all of us to some degree are really sad about all that has taken place and all of the changes and how hard it is right now. Um, but it's 
made all that much harder to the degree that your joy is anchored to or attached to your unstable circumstances, which is something that uh, we are all <laughs> prone to do. We're, uh, you know, as a result, uh, and as a result, most of us do not know and are not able to experience this thing called constant uh, stable joy. It, it, in fact, it fills the idea of being able to be joy, uh, full of joy in the midst of this really difficult time. It might strike some of us like a myth. Like, how could you possibly feel joy in the midst of feeling disappointment, in the midst of difficult times? But this morning, I want to point us to something uh, that's far uh, wiser for us to anchor our ultimate joy in instead of our uh, changing circumstances. And if we do, if we can anchor our joy in this thing, it's actually possible for you to experience joy even now in the midst of difficult times. And I want that for us. And I'm sure, that, I'm sure you want that. And so let's, let's look at a passage um, in Philippians chapter 1, which is actually a, a passage that I taught on a little over a year ago, but feels more relevant now than I think ever before. For you see, the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter while he was under house arrest, you know, just basically stuck in a house just like us, except not just like us, because, uh, you know, he was chained to a Roman guard, and uh, he couldn't leave the house to uh, go to H-E-B. He was reliant on people sending him food or, or delivering food to him, and he hadn't been under house arrest for two months like us, but um, for two years, and he was waiting for uh, an order to know whether he was going to be released or whether he was going to be uh, executed. And so uh, talk about reasons for this guy to lack joy, to be joyless in the midst of really difficult times. And yet, it's during that time that Paul wrote to his friends in Philippi, and he uh, told them how he was doing. And I just want us to look at this. this I think this is fascinating. So we're going to pick up in uh, verse 12 of chapter 1 of Philippians. It says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has, and let me just stop there because you know, how do you think he would finish that sentence? Like I would expect him to say something like, hey, what's happened to me has been uh, very discouraging, or what has happened to me has caused me to fall into a deep depression. But instead, here's what he says. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. But then he adds this, verse 15, he says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in, I'm in chains. That's a wild statement. Uh, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, because of this, and here it is, this is the first and his only description that he gives of his uh, emotional state. He says, because of this, I 
rejoice. And I read that and I think, what? <laughs> right? I mean, come on. Like if I'm able to talk with Paul, I'm, think, I'm wanting to say, Paul, you, <laughs> you've got to be kidding, right? I mean, you're under house arrest for two years. I've been in shelter place for two months. I feel like I'm going crazy. How are you not going crazy? Like, why, why would you possibly be able to rejoice right now? And, and then I'm thinking, okay, and you just said that you've got some Christians, some brothers and sisters that are stirring up trouble for you. Like, they're trying to make things worse for you. People that you would think would be on your side are actually making life harder on you. How are you not full of anything but just feeling like just irate about that and then of course in all of this is he's living with this uncertainty of whether he's going to be executed or not and like again i would say paul like i can barely handle the uncertainty of not knowing when life is going to get back to normal or if life is going to get back to normal but here you are for two years living with the uncertainty of whether you're going to live or die how in the world can you possibly rejoice during this time? And yet that's what he says. I rejoice. Friends, I want the ability to do that. And my guess is you want the ability to do that as well. To be able to have a reason to rejoice no matter our circumstances. Friends, where is that kind of stable joy found? Well, thankfully, he tells us in the next couple verses. Here's what he says, picking back up in verse 18. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Which, if you read that, you think, well, that sounds like the reason he's able to rejoice is because he's expecting to be delivered, like delivered out of jail. So, okay, and that's why he's rejoicing. But, before, but that's not actually what he means. Look at what he says next. Verse 20. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, which implies that he still knows he, he might live or he, he might die. And so you think, okay, well, then what's he talking about in the sense of, like, I'm expecting to be delivered? Well, he, he, here's what he means. When he says, I'm expecting to be delivered, he's specifically talking about how he expects and hopes that he, he will be delivered from being ashamed. So he's saying that by their prayers and by the Spirit's work in his life, He's confident that he will be del delivered from dishonoring Jesus whether he lives or whether he dies. That's why he says he's going to continue to rejoice. And the reason, friends, the reason why that's such a big deal to him, the reason why that's what moves him to rejoice is because of what he writes next. See, in verse 21, he says, For to me to live is Christ. For to me to live is Christ. Like my whole life, is wrapped up in Jesus. And so the thing that I want to make sure I do, whether I live or die, is that I exalt Jesus. And friends, the reason, the, the, the reason that's no, his number one concern is because Paul has attached his life. 
He is therefore uh, anchored his joy fully to Jesus. For me to, for me to live is Christ. Or put another way, he's saying, for me to live, or for me, true life, the good life, the purpose of life, life itself is found in Jesus. You see, if Paul's mindset had been something like, uh, for me to live is comfort, then there's no way he's rejoicing in his circumstances. Or if his mindset was, hey, for me to live is knowing I am secure. It's, it's knowing that I am in control. Then there's no way that he's rejoicing at this time. Or if his mindset was this, for, for me to live is to be able to be with my friends. Or for me to live is to know that everyone likes me. Or for me to live is to know that I'm successful in my job. Then there's no way that he's able to rejoice at this time because he's away from friends and he knows that people are trying to stir up trouble for him and he's stuck in jail not able to keep planning churches there's no way he can say those things but it's because paul had anchored his life and therefore his joy to jesus that he is able to rejoice even in the midst of really difficult times see it's because he's anchored his joy to jesus that no matter his circumstances He's able to rejoice, and he knows that he will continue to rejoice. For no one can take the joy he had in Jesus away from him. For Jesus is the only source of unchanging, strong, stable joy. Friends, the reason why sustainable joy is so foreign to us is not because it does not exist. And Paul clearly shows us here that it does. Now, the reason why sustainable joy is so foreign to us is because we anchor our life, we attach our joy to unstable things that cannot consistently bear its weight. I've used this illustration before, but I can't think of a better one. So it's like this. <laughs> if, if you're out on a boat in the open seas and a storm is coming, it matters how you anchor your ship. If your anchor attaches to something small, something shaky, something unstable, then when the storm comes, what you've anchored to will fail you. And your ship will either be thrown off course or it's going to capsize. But if you anchor to something stable, you'll survive the storm. Which doesn't mean you won't feel the effects of the storm. You're going to feel the effects of the storm. It's going to get rocky. It's going to get hard. And yet, if you're anchored to something strong and stable, then you're going to survive it. And you won't be capsized. You'll still be standing and you won't be thrown off course. Well, friends, just like how it matters to what a ship attaches its anchor, it matters to what, your, what you anchor your life and joy. Yet, we often foolishly anchor to something that cannot see us through the storms of life. And so let me ask you, have you been wise regarding to what you have attached your ultimate joy to, to what you've attached your life to. Like, how would you finish this sentence? 
For to me, to live is what? To be honest with you, if I'm finishing that sentence, I, I've got a couple of ways that I kind of go to. I, I will say I'm prone to fill it in in this way. Sometimes to live uh, for me is to know that I'm making a difference in people's lives. See, for to me to live is knowing that I'm making a difference. But if that's the way I'm filling that in, then whenever I don't feel like I'm making a difference or I can't tell if I'm making a difference or let's say I'm stuck in a home and I can't be with the people that I care for in our church family and I have no way of knowing really if I'm making any kind of difference, then man, my joy is gone. And I'm just, I'm just anchorless out in the midst of the storm. Or another way that I am prone to answer that question and fill in that blank is this, that for me to live is to be able to do what I want. Can any of y'all relate to that? Man, when I feel like I can do whatever I want, then I'm pretty happy. And yet, um, none of us are able to do what we want right now. <laughs> We're all stuck at home. Uh, and, you know, I've got kids. And that really keeps me from being able to do what I want all the time, exactly when I want to do it. No offense, kids. Um, you know, you lose some freedoms and then you lose your joy. Uh or here's another way that I can fill in that blank. I can say, um, for me to, to live is to be loved by Krista. And uh, she does an awesome job loving me. But the problem is, is that uh, she's human. And so am I. And so I make it really hard for her to love me perfectly at times. And she has a hard time loving me perfectly at times. Because it's, we don't love perfectly. And if my, my joy is attached to how well she's loving me, then my joy will come and go. Oh, friends, how do you fill in the blank? For you to live is what? Here's why this matters so much. It matters because our joy is tied to what we put in the blank. And the thing is, no, no thing, nothing, no thing, and no one is stable enough to provide you with sustainable joy. Everything will eventually let you down at some point or be taken away from you at some point. And man, we're all learning that right now. But if you attach your joy to Jesus, for if you to live is Christ, and not just like those aren't just words, but that's true for you, then you can have joy no matter your circumstances. For Jesus is the only source of sustainable joy. And friends, there are tons of reasons why this is true. But let me just point, you, point out two reasons from this passage that, that uh, flesh this out for us, okay? The first is this. It's because Jesus alone provides eternal life. Jesus alone provides eternal life. Now, when the Bible speaks of eternal life, it's speaking both of eternal quality and quantity of life that's found in knowing Jesus. Jesus, uh, for he's the source of life, and he's the ultimate provider of what we want in life. For example, uh, don't we all have a deep desire to be uh, known and still uh, fully loved? Well, think about it. Who knows you fully? I mean, really knows you inside and out. No, no one except Jesus knows you to that degree. And yet he still loves you completely, perfectly. Because that's the kind of love that we've always longed for. Friends, that love is found 
in Jesus. He's the one who, who loves us with the kind of life-giving love that we, we long for. And because Jesus never changes, because he's the same today, yesterday and today and forever, that means his eternal life-giving love is ours forever. It, it's stable yours. And that brings joy. In fact, it's so stable, hear this, that not even physical death can separate you from your source of joy, which is why Paul finishes his statement in verse 21 this way. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, if you attach your joy to anything or anyone else, then at best, though highly unlikely, uh, they can bring that thing or that person can bring you joy in this life uh, consistently. They won't, but that's at best. But if you die, then you're going to be separated from that thing or that person. But when it comes to Jesus, not even death can separate us from our source of joy. And Paul says, this is actually to my gain if I die, because I'm then ushered in the presence of the one who brings me joy. He uses the word gain. It's, it's actually a financial term. He's saying it's to my profit. Like Jesus alone, friends, can bring us stable joy because he alone provides us eternal life. Next week, um, quick plug here, but next week we're going to begin a three-week series that we're, we're going to be talking about what's after this life. And we're going to see why Paul can make just such a confident claim here that Jesus is to be with him is our gain, our profit. And it's, it's really looking forward to this series. It's going to be a great series to bring friends to. And so I'm encouraging you to invite them. It's going to, it's going to be really, I think, really encouraging. But anyways, that's what Paul says. Because Jesus provides that kind of stable joy. There's another thing in this passage that uh, Paul points to as a reason for why Jesus provides stable joy. And I don't have time to flesh it out real well, but it's this. Um, it's because Jesus can make good come from bad. It's because Jesus can make good come from bad. See, friends, if your joy is attached to anything other than Jesus and your circumstances take a turn for the worse, your only hope is that maybe things will get better over time, that maybe things will get back to normal, but you don't know if they will. But with Jesus, if, you're sore, if you've anchored your joy, your life to him, here's the incredible promise that we have from him that nothing else can promise us. And that is, when our circumstances take a turn for the worse, we can have an expectant hope that he can actually bring good through the bad, that he can actually work it out for good. This passage, Paul references this. He, he talks about this a couple different times. In fact, I think this is one of the main things that was bringing him joy in the midst of his house arrest. First of all, I just talked about it. Like when he says, okay, the worst possible thing that we can imagine happening to Paul is that he's executed, right? But he says, look, if that, the worst thing happens to me, it's to my profit. Jesus is able to bring good through the bad. Or here's another example. If you remember back to verses 12 through 14, uh, when Paul was talking about being in chains, and he makes this wild statement. He says, uh, because of my chains, not, not despite of them, but because of my chains, Jesus is at work advancing the gospel and encouraging other believers to share the good news even more boldly. 
Like he's able to point, look, Jesus, he's bringing good from bad. It's because my chains, good things are happening. See, friends, Jesus, our joy, in Jesus, our joy is stable. Because even when bad happens, we have reason to hope that he can work good through it. That's the promise of Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Which means, even in this time, in the midst of the heartache and the disappointments and the job loss and the sickness and the loss of so many of the things that we love, Jesus still gives us reason to have joy. For he has the power and the wisdom and the love to even work through these hard times to bring about good. And friends, if you truly believe that, then there is joy to be found in him even now. See, nothing else can provide us with that kind of stable joy. And friends, I want you, but more importantly, God wants you to know that kind of joy, the joy found in Jesus. So here's what I want to ask you to do off of this, all right? I want to ask you to evaluate this week, to think, take time to think, what have you attached your life to? What have you attached your joy to? How are you filling in the blank? For me to live is what? And if it isn't Jesus, I'd ask you to reconsider, to be wise, to anchor your joy to him, for he is better by far. Let me pray for us. We'll close. Father God, we're so quick, so prone to attach our joy and our life to changing circumstances. God, would you help us during this time to just again see how unstable our circumstances are and what, what, a, uh, what a false sense of uh, security, stability they can bring us. But God, would you help us be wise to attach our life and our joy to Jesus, to understand more fully just how much joy is found in him and how that joy is stable and consistent and can see us through even trials, even the most difficult of times. God, may we choose to make Jesus our life, that we could say along with Paul, for me to live is Christ, and in doing so, know the joy found in him. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.